40% of people believe unemployment will be higher 12 months from now. But see, th- this, is, this is the manipulation. This is the part that bothers me. Okay. So if you know unemployment's going up. So read that part again. Expectation creates what? Creates what? Okay. Expectation from consumers mm-hmm. influences behaviors. Okay. Which then in turn affects demand and inflation. Right, so let's read expectation, behaviors, demand. Yes. Right? Here's the problem. Is this is also a parasitic cycle with the media mm-hmm. creating false expectations. Yes. Trying to drive demand. That's what that and that's my biggest concern with this big six point five percent CPI report. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're trying to drive demand. They're maybe trying to get people to stop getting, you know, so afraid of a, a looming recession, right? Because everyone knows that, that term in and of itself, once it's declared, it's like, I don't know, doomsday or something. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. All right, go ahead. Bring in that energy. There you go. See, I scold him before we hit record. (laughs) So he comes with the energy when we do record. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Well, uh, I'm going to start off early with an apologetic... I may have missed the. I may have missed the shot. <laughs> yeah, you may, exactly. I, I, may, I may have taken a jumper and got nothing but net. I thought CPI was um, was gonna go up. Right. It uh, it may not have gone up. Right. Matter of fact, <laughs> uh, it went down. And the worst part about it was, which, which is a positive thing, though. You no, know, it's a positive thing. It's, it's it's there's some proper trajectory here from nine point one to seven point one to six point five, where the CPI report came out. By the time you hear this, you guys have probably seen it all over the place. But Happy to be wrong. Yeah, happy to be wrong, pleasantly surprised, but at the same time, like, you know, I, I, um, I guess I'm living in a world where eggs are really expensive, and you know, like, <laughs> yeah, this is just now a high priced commodity. Yeah, so I'm just like, okay, so like, you know, every, the food's harder to find. You you send me pictures of eggs and shelves, and again, this is why I didn't feel comfortable calling it right. But at the same time, you know, I thought it was going to go up, and it went down. And the worst part about it all, the kick in the ding ding for me, mm. the part that I was like, God damn it, was it leaked again the night before? Yeah, I know, and you knew. And I yeah, knew, yeah. and I posted it online. Yeah, exactly. I figured they didn't sue anybody the first time. They're not going to sue me this time, right? Right, I know, exactly. So uh, what I'll, I'll say is just to set the primer, the proper expectation here is that J.P. Morgan's game plan on CPI day, they come out with those probabilities all the time. Uh, Bloomberg published uh, a little bit of it in a nice little chart. Mm-hmm. But basically, they were saying there was a probability of about 20% that it was 6.4% or below, right? And they had their the reaction for the S&P. So they thought the S&P would go up about 3 3.5%. Mm-hmm. If it came in above 6.6%, which was a 15% probability, the S&P would go down about 25 to 3%. Right. But if it landed between, and I want everybody to be mindful of this range, between 6.4 and 6.6, 6, 
<laughs> well, so between those two. Between those two. Okay. Technically speaking, I guess it would be inclusive of 6.4 to 6.6. But yeah. look, it's below 6.4 is the 20% probability. Above 6.6 is a 15% probability. So technically, 6.4 to 6.6 was a 65% probability. And they said the S&P react about 1.5 to 2% up. And that is exactly what happened. And it was literally 6.5%. So let's go back up to the top there, intern. So we already know now that this number has peaked from June. Well, I, so again, I, I've always believed that between six six and a half percent to seven percent, it's going to be very sticky. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a deceleration in the number coming down over time. Yes, but there's been some really interesting positive news about the trajectory and kind of the thoughts around it. That I don't know. Maybe we can get into some of which is speculative. Some of which I think all comes back in a, in a different perspective depending on how you look at it. But I think there's a lot of positive news here despite the fact that I think we're still going to see a recession. Right. And I know that sounds a little counterintuitive, but as we go through, I guess, the, kind of the next couple articles, I think it'll make sense. Yeah. All right. So did you did you want to jump in to CPI a little bit and talk about core or what do you want to do? Yeah, so it came in at 6.5%, declined 0.1% month over month. Core inflation, which we now know removes food and energy, Increased by 0.3% month over month. Mm. Okay. Um, and 5.7% year over year. So the year over year figures for the categories the Fed focuses on are energy prices, services, which exclude housing, shelter, which is, is housing, and food. Right. So I, we got breakdowns for all those things. You want to get into that? Yeah, but I want to read the quote. So um, if you, I think it was. Uh, Bro, I'm on the quote, and you, you pull aside, man, intern is going to get whipped today. I was literally going to read the quote from <laughs> the, the Federal Reserve Chair. Yeah. Federal, there you go, yeah. So we want to return the economy to a place where Americans, businesses, and consumers, uh, Americans, I'm sorry, businesses, consumers, commodities, they don't have to think about inflation every day, right? Mm-hmm. So that was a quote from the friend, San Francisco Federal Reserve President Mary Dahl, Daly. Mm-hmm. I cannot read. It's yeah. the carbs and the carbs and sugar before the show. You know what it is? Like yeah. I'm, I'm juiced. You fumbled up. so many stuff there. I didn't want to. I didn't want to call you out on it. You said commodities. It's communi- I'm not used to being it's wrong. communities. It hurts me to be wrong. Is it, is it community? Yeah, it's just, I'm just. I'm, I'm letting these things go. I'm a good I'm just, guy. I'm very hurt to be wrong. I'm very, like, I was very. It's very like unsettling. I feel like a husband who just got cheated on. Like I don't know what to do now. Like I'm just very fucking economy. Anyway, yeah. my, my point was with this is, yeah, businesses, consumers, and communities, they want to not think about it, right? Well, if for them to not think about it, mm-hmm. their costs have to go down for the things they're spending money on. But everybody I talk to, every consumer that I, I, I talk to mm-hmm. is sending me photos of eggshells and talking about how things are more expensive than they used to be. Right. So it, it, it was shocking to me to see that there was that much of a drop, frankly, in inflation. So let's go into some of those numbers for, for food, right? So food was actually up 10.4%. Right, which is which is way higher than six and a half percent. Which is way higher than six and a half percent, exactly. So when people are hearing all oh, inflation is coming down, they're not feeling it. I know that the Fed likes to remove these things because they're, you know, it's volatile and it, it can go up and down. And look at this Eastern European variant of our commodities here: eggs, eleven point one percent; lettuce, four mm-hmm. percent; frankfurters, really, three point nine percent. Is that what German wrote this? <laughs> right. Yeah, the Frankfurters adopt three point nine percent hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, is, that, is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, the ones with the meat shaped like a tube. Yeah, that's right. What, yeah. 
So, uh, so what I have here is sewing machines, fabric, and supplies site. I know it's going to hurt your your feelings. Is that three point six? Yeah, the Hobby Lobby. Uh, you know, access yeah. here. Yeah, there you uh, go. So and natural gas produced by Saeed down up three point three. My natural is up three percent. Yo, the protein intake, the way <laughs> you know, it's the. <laughs> There's only one brand that causes you more gas, sponsored by Quest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we won't be getting that sponsorship anytime soon. <laughs> so, uh, fruits and vegetables were actually up 8.4%, milk up 12.5%, coffee 14.3%, bread 15.9%, butter 31%, eggs 59.9%. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This was in the CPI report. But this, I mean, this is from this article. It says what's costing you more. It says eleven point. That ain't right, eggs. bro. This is from the Fed's reports. Yeah. All right. Well, here's an interesting thing from the exact same article, which I should point out. This is an NPR article, which we'll post the links to. The original source is a U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. But top of the notable decreases, mm -hmm. almost a ten percent drop in gasoline. Well, I, these numbers I think are all up year year over year. Oh, okay. Well, there you yeah. go. So, well, look in used cars. Used mm -hmm. cars, gasoline were interesting. Airfares also interesting. So remember we were talking about. Consumer spending on travel was going to go down. There was that huge spike of like 42% at one point right. in, uh, in travel-related costs and mm -hmm. fees, inflation. Well, those have all come down notably. Right. So here's my point. Is as much as, as we want to be optimistic about the 6.5%, some of the things that shot up way too high, in my mind, taking advantage of the consumer's willingness to do things like go on vacation after you know, two years of COVID. Right. I think those are very predatory. Gas prices shot up really high. Mm. Uh, airline travel shot up super high. Bookings for hotels shot up. Those are the things that are coming back down right now. Right. But the mainstays, eggs, 10%, 50%, I don't care what they are, right? Whatever it's up, it's still up higher than 6.5%. 100%, dude. And the, all those things that we're reading off are things that people are consuming on a weekly basis. So if you're going with the, the Fed Secretary's uh, commentary and you're going with the San Francisco bank's commentary. We don't want people to worry about these things. We want to get to a point where they're not worried about it anymore. Well, I would say we're far away from that. Yeah, I still, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We are far away from that. So another section of the CPI report that I think is important to note is energy prices up 7.3%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also higher than the 6.5%. It makes you wonder, man. Like, if you want to get into the conspiracy theorist mindset here, you, you have to wonder, like, is some of this being manipulated a little bit? Because it honestly doesn't feel that way. It, it and I'll tell you, I don't, I don't think that it is. I just think that it's very easy to feel that way because right. so much of, of what we're hearing is not this. And mm -hmm. I've got a plausible theory. Okay. This is that new positive, Chris. I've had a very good day. Okay. Okay. Despite being wrong and it being very unnerving and unsettling for me. Yeah. I will say that, look, we, we have a delayed news cycle in a lot of ways. The stuff that we feel gets reported on much later than the things that actually happen that are right in front of you. Right. Car accident happens, you report on it, right? Police chase happens, you report on it. The economic sentiment by people, well, that's not really newsworthy unless people feel a certain type of way. Right. And people have an interest. So I think now more than ever, you're starting to see more articles about this stuff because people are starting to feel a certain type of way. Mm -hmm. Like it's starting to, they're starting to feel the pressure and they're just getting tired of it. So I think we're seeing more reporting on it. But I don't know that it's actually worse, and the numbers seem to indicate that it's not. Exactly. So with energy prices, right, we know that in a recession, there's typically less economic activity, which reduces the need for energy consumption. This is, normally, this is what happens in a recession. In a normalized economy. In, in yeah. a normalized recessionary economy, right? So historically, when you're in a recession, what, what I looked up based on my research as the chief economist of the higher standard, 
um, oil demand goes down. I sincerely regret giving you that title. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was foolish yeah. of me. Naive. Exactly. In retrospect, that was just feeding the. the I could see I could see why people are starting to call me arrogant. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that in the, in the comments now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, historically, what happens in those type of recessionary economies is oil demand goes down by one to three percent. While, but right now, predictions from like J.P. Morgan and everyone around is that oil demand is going to go up one percent next year. Yeah, because their OPEC cut some. I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of reasons there. Like there whole, was, exactly, the Saudis cut oil production. OPEC's been having some things. Exactly. This is one of the weirdest economies in, in so many different ways, and certainly that's one of them. In, in a lot of ways, in my mindset, unemployment wages is definitely a weird part of this this economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a conversation with somebody I very much respect, and, and Said and I talked about this off the show. Uh, well, we got to be very careful here. We're going to very tiptoe around it. So, uh, this gentleman does work. In the White House and is in finance committee stuff. And Ooh, we got yeah. a source. Source, yeah. It, it, this is not the source of the le- inflation leak, just for the record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Twitter, okay? <laughs> That's leaking on Twitter. This has nothing to do with that. Um, 6.5% news the day before. <laughs> day before. We yeah. could, yeah, you knew it the day before. I posted it too. I was like, I'm going to put it out there like I know. 12 hours before. 12 hours before, yeah. yeah. Let, that, let that sink in, America. Yeah. Um, and then somebody traded again off that. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe they let it leak a second time to see if they can catch the source a second time. But mm-hmm. clearly somebody's done it twice in a row. But anyway. Right. So I was talking to a very educated person from the White House who's specifically on in, in finance. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me that that he has a very, very positive outlook on the economy. And I was like, yeah, I kind of feel the same way, but I really can't quantify why. Mm-hmm. And he had a a thought process as to what's going to unfold next. And the more and more he started to talk to me about it, the more I was like, you know what, this this makes sense. This could, this could be a real thing. So he said, look, I think the damage has been done from an economic perspective. Okay. He's like, but I also understand the political pressures that are going on and everybody else and what they're dealing with now. Mm-hmm. He's like, I think the Fed doesn't want to be involved in a political discussion in and around election time, November 24. Right. He said, so I think the hyper aggressive tack the Fed was taking wasn't necessarily because they needed to do it that fast and that painfully quick in order to get the results they needed. Right. But because they wanted to get the traction going the right way so that they were not a distraction. Which is also a rap lyric, by the way. Traction, yeah. so they're not a distraction. Anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> Don't do during, that. I shouldn't do that. Don't yeah. do that, yeah. They didn't want to be the distraction in the election coming up, so they wanted this to be headed the right way, so this would just be kind of rhetoric that's behind us. And I said, well, how does that play out? And he said, well, he said, I think at this point, they have forced a recession, but they knew that going into it, and while they haven't verbalized that, and they started saying things like soft landing and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I think they had accepted early on that the chance of avoiding a recessionary economy was improbable at best. Right. And to them, it really didn't matter. But they said, you know, maybe we'll get a soft landing, maybe not. But again, these are all recessions, right? Right. So he said, look, I think you got an ego play by the Fed that on February 1st, they're going to increase rates 25 basis points, just like they said they were going to do. Right. And he said, I think that's not necessary. That's just ego. But that'll continue to help inflation come down with time. He's like, keep in mind, this doesn't happen overnight. So obviously, we've seen some pretty significant leaps with inflation. So he's like, I I think we're headed very quickly towards a target rate over the next couple of quarters. He said, that being said, I do not see a Fed interest rate increase in March. He said, I think they're going to do exactly what they said. They're going to hold rates mm-hmm. through 2023. I think the second... Even though all we've heard is 5% target terminal rate. Yeah. And he said, look, I, there might be a world where they get there. He's like, I'm not ruling it out unilaterally. But what yeah. I'm saying is, is I don't think that even this increase is necessary to get to where we're going. Really? He said, but, you know, I think they're going to get it. You're going to get it on February 1st. Absolutely. The market's baked it in. There's no reason not to. We would want to, you know, throw in some volatility in the markets. He mm-hmm. said, but I don't, he's like, I don't personally feel that March sees a Fed interest rate increase. 
And I think that what you do is you wind up having two, two quarters that are really bad. That's a recessionary economy. They're going to hold rates through that. And I think in 2024, they're going to start cutting rates again, the very, very beginning of 2024. And I think we're going to walk into a, a prosperous-like economy by the time November rolls around for the election. But that's interesting because we do know that you know the Fed doesn't work directly hand-in-hand with you know, the administration. No, but it, it's also human nature to want to remove yourself from any potential, I guess, focus or conflict as it relates to the handling. They're going to be criticized no matter how they handle this, right? Right. Republicans, Democrats are all going to say it could have been handled differently or better or worse or whatever. 100%. But at least if we're in a situation where the economy is healthier from a metric standpoint, from a quantifiable metric standpoint, by that time, Mm -hmm. I'm sure people can complain and point the finger, but it's hard to be really upset when we're in a better situation than we were a year ago. So Powell came out last week and he said, price stability is the bedrock of a healthy economy and provides the public with immeasurable benefits over time. That means nothing. But restoring price stability, I mean... We were just talking about not having price stability. Okay, I agree. But look, here's the thing, is that price stability is also depending on your perspective of time. Eggs going up in a matter of a quarter, that's a lot. That's a lot. Eggs going up in a matter of a year, that's a lot. But people are like, oh, home prices should always go up. Right. Home prices went up 42% in a matter of two years. Crazy. I understand, yeah, 100%. But here, and More this, than 42% in some areas. And this is the reason why I brought up you know, oil demand and oil predictions earlier. We know that... We know that oil and gas is a cheap way for, you know, people in agriculture to get energy, right? And that affects everything. Yeah, your crops, food, mm-hmm. it all it all the manufacturing your yeah. fertilizers, pesticides in order yeah. to grow, package, ship Powering out. Powering the plants that makes all the products. All that stuff. Yeah, it's all so there. like that in hand. And shipping. Shipping is a big part of and it. Exactly. A huge part of it. That in hand with, you know, all the prices that we're currently seeing and they're saying it's going to go up, oil demand, another 1%. Oh yeah, I think that's we have more instability. Conservative, frankly, yeah, yeah that's that's my fear, you know. So that the the items that they're going to be removing from the number that they say they want to look at from core inflation, those prices are still going to be going up. Well, I'm going to say this now. I don't care whether you take the the positive, optimistic route. I, I don't necessarily buy into 100 percent of what my friend at the White House said, right? But I also think that there's a there's a probability there. Uh, there's some great economists calling for a six percent terminal right now. Yeah, and it's it's a great thing to see that so many educated smart people have such a very different polarizing opinion and clearly politics play a lot into this too but Mm -hmm. what i think is fascinating is it doesn't really matter to me which one you go with yeah is i think the end result is you don't get much better inflation numbers unless home prices come down we don't exactly right and And we haven't seen a big enough shift there yet right we haven't seen a big enough shift we've seen some cracks for sure Mm -hmm. but there's not a lot in my neighborhood first time i've ever done this Mm -hmm. so in my neighborhood it's kind of split up in uh, really two different regions if you will uh, on one region, I'll just call it the South region. It, it's not as expensive as the homes in the North region. North regions are up on a hill and it's got like a you know, prettier view and stuff like that. Right. This is the first time I've ever logged on to check listings in that North region and there hasn't been a single active listing. Wow. Not one. There are like 1,800 homes. Not yeah. one. And there's always limited listings there. There's always like four or five, you know, stuff like that. And they usually come off the market pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But I checked on a Friday, which is normally before a listing weekend. Right. And maybe it was the rain and the weather and stuff like that that's happening. But it was it was very interesting to see that there was not a single listing there. Right. Um, so back to the CPI, another category that the Fed likes to look at is services, which uh, it excludes housing. Right. That's up 7.4%. Right. So this is one of the biggest categories for the Fed that they like to, that they like to look at. Right. Basically touching on the labor market. 
The Reserve, Fed Reserve has been concerned with the tight labor market and supply demand imbalance for workers. Employee shortages creates higher wage inflation. This increased by 0.4% month over month. All right. So I see where you're going with all this. I do. And you've been a little negative today. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying it's to just bring there sunshine are, and you know, gumdrops and lollipops, and I, you're over here just spitting on everything. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to, but these are items that are not being talked about in the report. Okay. People I'm, say, hey, look, guys, it's 6.5%. Just look over here. But when you dig deeper into the report, you do see that there's still some issues. So from CNBC, I'm going to read you a quote. I want you to look me in the eyes when I read this quote to you. Well, I'm looking at my phone, which is challenging. <laughs> I'm going to do like this. Let's do like, yeah, yeah, it's like this. Right. So while inflation rose 6.5% on a year-over-year basis, consumer prices over the last six months are advancing at a less than 2% annualized rate, which, for reminders, the Fed target in put in place by Bernanke, 2 to 3%, which was frankly 2% before that anyway. Mm-hmm. That's right at the Fed's stated target rate. And I, right. there's a little chart here, a little graph. Yeah. I mean, that's got to give you some degree of confidence that we're, we're definitely kind of moving the right direction, right? Yeah, yeah. At, at the numbers that they want to look at, yes, it, it is positive. It's very unsettling for me to be positive. So I want you to know this is just as equally uncomfortable <laughs> for me as it is for it's you. It's hard, okay? man. It's hard. Because we know that as that number continues to drop, it gets stickier and stickier and harder. And home prices haven't gone down. That's a huge portion of this. Huge portion. I mean, depending on, and like I've, this is frustrating because I know the components are supposed to be around 32% mm-hmm. of, is supposed to be rent or rent equivalent of inflation. Yes. And I heard somebody, a great economist, make the argument that it was closer to 40% recently. Yeah. So what I'll say is this, it's a huge part of inflation and we haven't seen enough drops across the country to really see a national aggregate change in inflation as it relates to home prices. So I, I don't, I don't really know how all that plays out from an inflation standpoint after this, but I'd be curious to see if if the White House perspective, we'll call it, because <laughs> I don't want to name names, is right. If that supposition is right, and you have only a 25 base point increase from this point forward, and we haven't seen a whole lot of listings right now, and let's just say my my neighborhood as a microcosm is a, is a bigger kind of picture, it, are, are mortgage rates going to be high enough to crack the home market and to start seeing prices drop. Yeah. Is that, is that where we go? Because so many people have low, low, low rates. Right. And if they have such low rates, they just hold their property. There's going to be, there's not a whole lot of mobility issues. And, and frankly, if unemployment nationwide is three and a half percent, right? Mm-hmm. Very, very low. Extremely low. In most markets across the country, if you lose your job, you don't have to move to a different state or a different city. Yeah. To get another job because unemployment is so low, you can just apply for a job closer to your market and not move because you don't want to lose that mortgage rate. Right. So what's gonna what's the inflection point that that breaks the economy for this recession? It's got to be housing. Really? Because every single realtor you talk to is still doing the rosy optimistic thing. I know. Not, not to say that they shouldn't be at this point. I mean, right. I think maybe that some of the pain for them is over on some level, but yeah. So on on housing, we saw that that was up seven point five percent in the report shelter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to Black Knight, at the current rate, I think mm, love me some Black Knight. Love me some Black Knight. Solid data. Yeah. <laughs> the sol- solid. Some say the solidest of solid data. I like it. They are they are very powerful. Yeah. Data. <laughs> very. Po- <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? You talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Don't lick your lips when you talk. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> so when we were actually putting these show notes together uh, last week before Chris canceled on us on our recording. I had well, an allergic reaction. Yeah, we, we have to, we, we'll get into that. Damn near died. <laughs> yeah, we're here now on a Sunday. Doctor was like, you drove yourself here? And I'm like, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even open my eyes at the time I got there. Yeah. I, couldn't even, I was trying to text my phone. It was yeah. bad. Yeah. 
Um, so Black Knight reports that at the current rate, only 270,000 borrowers would benefit from refinancing. That is not a lot at all. Wow. And you got you to gotta imagine some of that probably has to do with some of the people that recently bought, right? That's the number one sentiment I'm seeing online right now is people who bought in the last, call it two, two and a half years, have yeah. serious regrets. Interns not included. Don't feel bad. Yeah. It does not include you. It does not include you. Um, <laughs> but there are some people who have serious regrets because of the amount of the mortgage payment they're taking on. When we did the show notes uh, last week, the rates were at 6.48%. When I Googled it right before coming here, the average rate on a 30-year fix was 6.944. Yeah. And I, it used to be a shocking number. If you recall, it, it kind of spiked up to about seven at one point and then it mm-hmm. came back down a little bit. Yeah. It was like seven and a quarter at one point for like a brief window of time. Can you imagine refinancing there? You're like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah. But now, now it's back in, you know, the six, high sixes. But so if it does, let's just say hypothetically, and keep in mind, this is not a direct correlation. If the Fed increases rates again, 25 basis points, the week before mm-hmm. this happens, the, you're going to see the market shift and treasury start to rise. Mm-hmm. contemplating that 25 base point increase and then as the treasuries rise you're going to also see the long-term borrowing rates the 30-year mortgage rates go up go up exactly and let's start to price that in yeah all the other rates so i think you wind up with north of seven percent rate mm-hmm. which is when you think about it pretty spectacular considering where we were just not too long ago right uh and then after that man when at some point in time the yield curve inversion is going to find its way to out. It's going to sort itself out. Exactly. Which means the long-term borrowings at 10-year treasuries going to rise in and of itself independent of this activity by the Fed. Okay. When the when the the investor confidence shifts to that long-term thought process and we can get into the semantics of it later if somebody really wants to know about it. I think that's also going to drive up mortgage rates again. Mhm. And when that does, you could wind up seeing mortgage rates in the 8% very easily, I think, in 2023. Right. I, I don't know for certain. That's not me making a prediction. I just think and there's, a, there's a strong probability that, that that's realistic. Right. So what we're, for, those, for those listeners that are still out there you know, looking to buy homes, you, you can expect more concessions during this time. So oh, 100%. This, yeah. Some of the stuff that I, I saw online that realtors were talking about is receiving like anywhere between five to 10,000 recession. You can now either get stuff to help you fix the house up a little bit or mm-hmm. even they can buy down your rate. It's also market dependent too. If there's not a lot of listings in your market then there might not be so many concessions but most of the markets that are cooling down are on the west side. So like mm-hmm. Phoenix so I, I was listening to an interview from the deputy chief economist over at Redfin. Uh, you really do take this whole chief economist of the higher standard thing seriously. You know now. we kind of we have to like stick yeah, together. Like a little circle. You have yeah. like masterminds and yeah, shit sorry, that you guys we can't, do? We can't talk to you. You're not in the program. You know. So oh. yeah we got our own thing going. Confidential proprietary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the uh Entrepreneurs organization declined us too. Or something, or Entre- like, how do you the entrepreneur organization declined us too. So they're like, we said, fuck all of them. We're going to start our own. So you guys all wear crowns then. That, that's what you get. <laughs> membership requires a crown. Exactly. Exactly. Like, so he. You guys uh, salute each other's kings. He was, what up, king? Was that what yeah, what's do? up? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, that's that's just what the millennials do. Uh, what's up, king? Like, you know, I don't understand. I'll, I won't understand that one. Yeah, the king thing? Yeah. I like it. I think it's very regal. Uh, really? You don't, you don't like it? It's not my thing, no. Bro, if somebody came up to me and was like, yo, what's up, king? I'd be like, yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. I wouldn't say it back because then it would be very, you know, we can't all be kings. <laughs> exactly. You know, but, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> right. So uh, Phoenix is actually down 29.7%. Seattle down 25.6%. Las Vegas, 22.2%. San Diego, 20 Point seven percent. And these are all the same names. Remember when we looked at this a while back, and mm-hmm. these 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 names didn't all pop up. I think it was I think Arizona wasn't there, but Las Vegas was at one point in time. Mm-hmm. And then these names started when they started. I started seeing them popping up again. I'm like, okay, 
sanity has returned to the markets a little bit. Right. We're starting to get some. These are the markets that were way overly inflated for mm-hmm. a lot of reasons. People are like, well, hey, man, people are leaving California, man. Yeah. They got to go somewhere, man. Yeah. And they're there. That's what the problem is holding property values up, man. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's institutional buyers. And they pulled out. Right. They they uh they have stopped buying. And now these large tracks and builders are obviously trying to sell. I heard uh, Wells Fargo is also pulling out of the lending space. Yeah, but that's so Wells Fargo has been under a C&D, man. Really? Okay. A cease and desist. Yeah. So they had regulatory trouble going all the way back to that whole opening accounts thing. Yes. And that was what I think was it was before Tim Sloan. I think it was the other CEO that was there. And then Tim Sloan stepped in and somebody else came in after him. Yeah. The current CEO came in. So basically they had issues with the whole account opening thing. They had a bunch of regulatory issues. I won't get into that. But this whole like, I guess, spotlight on them. This is not new. No. They are not allowed to grow under C&D. Okay. They can only keep their balance sheet where it really is. They can't grow. Oh, so as loans pay off, yeah. they can replace them. So sure, yeah, they're spinning this as like a, oh, you, we were the number one largest mortgage lender. Now we want to be number two. And then there's also this, you know. So how long is a C&D like this on a bank last year? I know this is unique to them because of their How size. long it takes them to clean it up, man? Usually it, it's as little as a year in some cases, but obviously for them it's been longer than that. So right. there were some rumors for a while that, that they were going to sell. And then you, you hear all this tertiary kind of media what, around. Wells is going to sell. Yeah, they're, they're going to sell to somebody. They're going to sell off. Holy shit! Yeah, because they're they're under they have all this regulatory trouble, right? So there's some in some new, and this is a little bank nerdy stuff. So I apologize for those of you if you don't want to listen to it. It's, it's tough. Um, I'm going to keep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yo, you go fuck around, find out. Yeah, you have to hear it one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to keep saying it so you can't fast forward either. So don't try. Um, but effectively the way this works is that there's been some new precedents that was established with the u.s bank union bank merger where if one or both institutions have a regulatory challenge mm-hmm. like a C and and the combined entity were to solve some if not at least make forward moving progress on those challenges okay that the regulators would allow them to merge now historically if you were under a C and d you couldn't do any kind of merger m and activity uh-huh. Right, you could sell yourself off to somebody so long as obviously they were willing to fix those problems or accept those problems and then deal with them. And then would that new bank now still be able to grow? Yes, the, 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 in theory, the combined entity, as long as it solved for those problems, would be able to grow. Which is why the Union Bank U.S. Bank was such a colossal deal in size uh-huh. and and structure and fanfare around it. So that precedence has set an interesting tone for what Wells Fargo would, in theory, do. I don't see them as a merger company if they were to ever to get there, but they're also so large. There's only like one or two names that could really buy them. Exactly. So I, I don't know that they're going to do that, but there were certainly some rumors floating around. And with that being the new precedent set by, by even that mm-hmm. activity. Plus, you're going to see a lot of troubled banks come up in the next, you know, call it year or two. Now, the banks that get out of the next year or two on the other side, they're going to walk into huge profitability because they're making interest rates, lo- loans on interest rates at seven, you know, north of 7% mm-hmm. on the static stuff. And they have adjustable index plus margin pricing and some other stuff with floors at current market pricing. So they're going to do very well. So don't feel bad for banks. They're going to do very well in, in a year or two, but their profitability will probably be down in the next year. But what's interesting about Wells Fargo is, is they're under the C&D. Most consumers don't understand what that means. Right. And they're strategically trying to match their payoffs. So as people pay off their loans, they're trying to replace them, which for them is a massive number. It's right. you know, tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars every single quarter. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to replace that with mortgages they're putting on at the same cadence that it's coming off so they don't actually grow their balance sheet in order to comply with the C&D. Meanwhile, people like Loan Depot a year ago were coming out saying, hey, we've now passed Wells Fargo, the former number one lender for, for mortgages across the country. That's how fast we're growing. And it's like, not exactly accurate. Right. Matter of fact, they tried to scale back their growth because of the C&D. Exactly. And you're trying to ramp up your growth. So 
yeah, you're capturing more market share, but it's only because they took their foot off the gas pedal I mean, because they had to. Brilliant PR on their part, though. Brilliant PR on their part. And obviously, a lot of their bankers internally didn't understand that. And they're like, yay, we're amazing. And you're like, are you really, though? Yeah. yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a spin. And that, that's what people do. That's what you know, good marketing does. But yeah, Wells Fargo is not what they once were. And frankly, I, I think anybody looking at them as stepping back from the spotlight is kind of missing the bigger picture. Making loans to consumers now is super, super difficult. The compliance laws, Dodd-Frank, the ability to repay rules and all these things, they've made it very mechanical, not to mention the compliance and the risk side of things where you have to disclose properly. There's timelines for things. Hence why Meta pulled out of this space too, right? For You were saying how realtors couldn't post it on their business page. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a bit of a different, different thing, but yeah. the, the regulation behind it all, right, is just there's so much credit and lending in, in particular yeah. for advertising on social platforms or the what now is social platforms, which is not really social. Uh, it's very difficult to comply with the law, yeah. especially nationwide in the yeah. markets. So if, you, if you're a California-based resident, and you want to comply with California laws that relates to advertising on lending and credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do you, how do you do that if you're in New York and an ad pops up with geolocation? Is it by your account location? I mean, it's all it's very weird. Right. So for them, it's just it's almost impossible to comply. Right. Yeah. Took a little sidebar there, but you brought up Wells Fargo. Sensitive yeah, topic yeah, for sensitive me. topic for you. I know. Very I, sensitive. They used to call that home. Yeah. I was going to start my job there as a teller. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Crushing it. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was a great teller. Were you? My drawer balanced every goddamn night. Every time. Yeah, I balanced the hell out of that ATM back in the day. <laughs> Walked back there, opened that thing up. It's always weird, though. You always need dual custody when you're in a bank. Have to. So someone's always got to be with you. Yeah. And every once in a while, you get paired up with somebody you don't want to talk to. Man, the guy smells. Yourself. I know you didn't shower last night. Yeah, Come that on. wasn't me. That was his hypothetical friend, that, not that, me. This is you. I showered this morning, for the record. <laughs> every morning. Uh, Yeah, most mornings. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Every morning. You shower at night before you go to bed. In the morning. You want to know how I know everybody? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Licking my lips again. Mm. Uh, (laughs) I can't look in the eye. (laughs) I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this with you. So uh, we know that um, inflation expectation is... um, You're really struggling the segue right now, aren't you? It's very awkward. Well, we talked about mortgage refinance. I know we talked about Segway, bro. Come on. Keep <laughs> no, on your game. Something that I want to go back to what you said nope. er, earlier. Mm. Expectation from consumers in general influences behaviors, which affects demand and inflation. Okay. Yeah. We know that. Okay. 40% of people believe unemployment will be higher 12 months from now. But see, th- this, is, this is the manipulation. This is the part that bothers me. Okay. So if you know unemployment is going up. So read that part again. Expectation creates what? Creates what? Okay. Expectation from consumers mm-hmm. influences behaviors. Okay. Which then in turn affects demand and inflation. Right. So let's re- expectation, behaviors, demand. Yes. Right? Here's the problem. Is this is also a parasitic cycle with the media mm-hmm. creating false expectations. Yes. Trying to drive demand. That's what that and that's my biggest concern with this big 6.5% CPI report. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're trying to drive demand. They're maybe trying to get people to stop getting, you know, so afraid of a, a looming recession, right? Because everyone knows that, that term in and of itself. Once it's declared, it's like, I don't know, doomsday or something. Let's see, that, that's, the, that's the fallacy. Mm-hmm. That, that's where I think everybody's waiting for like this ominous, like, we're in a recession. Oh, my God. And again, right. the mechanics aren't that way. It, 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 this is so bizarre to me that we've lived so long without a recessionary economy that so many otherwise responsible, intelligent adults don't really understand how this works. Right. The National Bureau of Economic Research is not going to come out and declare a recession while we are starting one. Yeah, while we're it's, starting one and right before an election. 
So, yeah, of course. So typical recessionary economies last typical again, big asterisk. And what we're going through right now is not typical 12 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If that's the case, fun fact, it takes National Bureau of Economics generally 12 to 18 months to figure out we're in recession. Yes. So if we started and again, our, our you know, supposition has always been that January 1, 2022 is the start of the recessionary economy. Yeah. That very well could still be accurate. And I'm, I'm going to hold on to that fucking thing until at least 20 100%, months, especially, months especially now that if, if you are one of those people that believes this is now peaked in June at 9.1 percent, then, you know, all that led up to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, that also means that that supposition is correct. Yeah. So if they come out a year after. Right. So January 1, June 30th, uh, 2022, that's the official quote start of the recession of the second quarter of negative GDP growth. Technically. June of this year, uh, in 2023, or December, uh, to, to, to say December 2023, mm -hmm. that's when you would get a, a recessionary declaration from the National Bureau of Economic Research. Yeah. It is very, very, very plausible. They say, hey, guys, look, I understand the White House's rhetoric that the technical definition may not always be two quarters of negative GDP growth. But you know what? We had two quarters of negative GDP growth, successive. Right. And we feel that was a recessionary economy. And here's the data to support that that's come out since that time that we've quote analyzed over the last year right that could very well still happen and it is probable in my mind which means this recession that my friend in the white house is talking about yep that's that's middle 2023 yeah right where he said it was going to be mm -hmm. and when you think about it i'm not going to get the whole conspiracy thing going again but yeah. what i will say is if anybody's going to know what the national bureau of economic research is going to come out and say i'm guessing it's probably the white house <laughs> exactly yeah right and the white house hasn't said shit about a recession lately nothing been absolutely remember how they were fighting against it in the beginning right. there was all this you know polarization everything else. right and if anything it's, it's kind of convenient right if they're able to go back in time and be like hey so if all that tough all those tough times you went through in the beginning of 2022 right uh yeah that was a recession but we're, we're we're on the other side of it now oh that's gonna be a spin for sure yeah 100 I, I will also point out this is, again not in the show notes but th something worth you know saying we were right about because i like being arrogant because oh. saeed is now arrogant with me. Arrogance love arrogance. Yeah, you know? there you go. Yeah. Game recognized game, right, King? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> well, we talked about how the student debt forgiveness was unconstitutional. There was some pushback in the DMs and people saying that we were wrong and there's a lot of hate. Yeah, whether you're for it or not, the way the way it went they went about it. Yeah, the way they went about it. No, I'm not saying I'm for it or not. All yeah, I'm saying we're not is talking about that. the way they went about it was just horribly unconstitutional. Plus the program is structured just was unconstitutionally written and implemented in my mind. Mm -hmm. I don't really care about whether you, you think it should happen or you shouldn't think it should happen, whatever. That's, a, that's an opinion. That's politics. I don't really care about that. Care about that. I do, though. I, I know. I have an opinion, yeah. which it's unconstitutional, period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just it. Like, I don't care any structure, but whatever. Yeah. But now Biden has come out saying he's got a, quote, plan B, a backup plan. In, ca in case this doesn't work out, just get me reelected. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there, there's uh, better odds than passing an unconstitutional law than there is if I am getting reelected at this yeah. point in time. And that is not me being a Democrat or Republican, everybody. Because yeah. that's just me believing in science. Yeah, um, science. Yeah. So here's a quote: The Biden administration is pushing forward with another approach to tackling the student debt crisis, while its main initiative, a plan to forgive up twenty thousand in student loans per borrower. Remain stuck in legal limbo. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a colloquialism for unconstitutional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, that's what that means. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even if debt forgiveness's effort is struck down by the courts, the Department of Education's Plan B, which sounds like the morning after pill to me. Yeah, right. Like, that's not the approach not, you normally want to take. I'm not sure that's the flavor you want on this. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. 
could help millions of borrowers by overhauling income-driven repayment plans. It also addresses some of the worst pitfalls of student debt, such as, quote, negative amortization, end quote, or when a person's loan balance keeps growing despite their consistently making payments. Mm. Okay, that part I like. Nobody's mm. student loan should be negamming. They should find a way to accommodate them, maybe stretching out the amortization, stuff like that. That's all good. Like, I, I support that. Okay. We should, we should try to make repayment as comfortable as we can, given the fact that repayment, but obviously negative amortizing and letting it grow is just terrible. Right. So that's, that's what also led on the loan side to, at least in part, the Great Recession. It is just, it is, it will still, will always blow me away that it's the only debt that you can't ever get out of. You can't file bankruptcy for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Man. It makes sense. The government's like, okay, you can you can file BK on everybody else, but you can owe me this money. Yeah, that's crazy though, right? All all these major corporations can borrow money. It's not. Let me explain why. Help me help me understand why. Because this, I I, 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 I I just can't like wrap my mind around. I know you as a chief economist, it bothers you whenever I say things that are intelligent that you yeah. hadn't thought of. Yes. And thought through. So I want to take this moment and soak it in for a second. So okay. Ah, oh, God, it feels so good rubbing in your face in the people. <laughs> um. So. Most people who got to college yeah. don't have a net worth. Yes. And it takes about seven years for this to, co- to come off your credit report and credit history. Right. A lot of kids would just file bankruptcy as soon as they graduate from college. Yeah. You start working, you'd rent for a couple of years. By the time mm-hmm. you had enough net worth and cash, you now would be out of your bankruptcy and good to go. And you didn't lose anything. As a matter of fact, you just eviscerated all your debt when you had, when you were racked up when you were in school. Right, I get that, but then you could you could also find a way to get around that too, right? If you apply if you apply for a job, give me kudos, give it to me. No, if you apply give if you if you, on, apply, if you apply for a job, you'd have to disclose that you you filed bankruptcy on your student loans. No, you apply for the job first, and then you file BK afterward, bro. I thought the logistics through. I've thought about this many times on a fantasy. I was like, my student loan <laughs> yeah, no. I, when I graduated, I was, I was in six figures, man. It, it it stung. Yeah, I know a lot of people that are, in and six I was figures. paying like eight percent at the time or something yeah, crazy. I now. know. I have friends that are like four hundred, five hundred k in student loan debt. Yeah, man. Doctors, right? Yep. And they'll do it to me. Every doctors. This is the thing about doctors that I just crazy. Mm-hmm. By the time you start getting away from all this debt, because you have to be an entrepreneur, a business person as a doctor too. It's a business at the end of the it's day. It's a business. And your business is you and how you market at you and the things you do and all this stuff. I mean, like it's it's not mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a guarantee. No. So let's just say you make five hundred thousand a year. After taxes, that's not five hundred thousand dollars a year. That's a whole hell of a lot yet less. And if you live in California, forget about it. I mean, you're you're take you're lucky to take home forty eight percent of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. That's what it is. Yeah. Right. So you take home that money. You're W two, dude. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you have your own company, maybe you got some corporate benefits there. Let's say you take home fifty percent of that money. Let's just say two hundred fifty grand. Right. That ain't a whole lot to pay back that kind of student loan debt. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, these doctors who do this themselves, it, it's, it's a massive mountain that they have to climb their, their, their way out of. I mean, it, it's, it's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like you don't have any sympathy for this. What, what is with this, like, yeah, yeah thing? Oh, I feel bad for them, man. I, 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 know, what, I, I know them personally. Can you drink your Red Bull a little bit for me? Yeah. <laughs> so, the US, U.S. consumer borrowing has increased by $28 billion from the prior month. We're just going to totally ignore the Red Bull. We're, we're going to ignore it, yeah. I've already finished it. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. No, I can tell. It's still got some fluid in the bottom there. See how it's got the little moisture thing going? Oh, uh, moisture? Don't uh, lie to me, bro. No, Don't I'm lie to our fans. No, not, no. Don't lie to the team. <laughs> okay? This is, how, this is how the distrust starts but right this, here. No, no. But here you lying to me, and then people start trusting never. you, and then if you're the chief economist, nobody trusts you. Never that. You're just as good as a guy named Jerome Powell. No. <laughs> that, you know, and that is something that I, I was giving some thought of before. So 
Not trusting Jerome Powell. Not trusting, <laughs> not trusting Jerome Powell. Exactly. So like this whole spin that they're coming in trying to fix this inflation problem. You know whose job it is to make sure that this doesn't happen in the first place? Jerome Powell's. Yeah. yeah it's like he's not getting enough shit for this. What are you going to do? The only thing that they're focusing on is what are you going to do? I, I know what, what can well, he, we do? He didn't write the checks for the PPP loans. That wasn't him. No, but he's in control him and not just him. So but here's, here's what you want all, to do? all the FOMC voting members are in charge of monetary policy. They were drinking the Kool-Aid, man. For two years, they were sitting at home wearing baggy clothes and they should have been back in the office full time. Baggy clothes. That's not what they were doing, man. Five days a week, brother. They were calling it in. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Hey, when I work from home, this is exactly how I dress. Bob Iger, first week back on the job. You know what he said? What did he say? We're here to be collaborative. Four days a week, mandatory in the office. We're here to work together. In March. As a team. 60 days from now. Doesn't matter. He gave you runway, baby. Yeah. And the FOMC wasn't doing it. We'll see how they it goes. We'll, we'll see how it goes for them. Watching other, Netflix. Other people, other people have, have they tried. They watching the economy. Uh, other people have tried to do this. To bring people. I think Elon tried to make. You know, as Twitter employees Why come is back. Why always about you? This is a, that's <laughs> no, this is about. you're doing this. You're no, making I it about me. I go work every day. You, I had to buy fat boy suits because I got fat because I have to go back into work and wear a suit again. You you can come into work and dress casual. No. I got to wear suits. I'll wear suits with you. I gained a ton of weight. Yeah. Like, it's like I ate half of me and then gained it back. <laughs> it's very unattractive. Yeah. And the worst part is I tried to put my hand... My arm through stuff, and I try to justify it saying I'm on testosterone, but I'm not working out. <laughs> you you like, have I'm not. Just, I'm what's just, going on, man? Huh? Hey, we need to get you to working out again. I, you I can't be time, coming in man. here acting like you're wearing like these compression shorts, acting like you're. These aren't compression. Yeah. That's actually my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I, maybe it's weird. Maybe it's just me, but I like long underwear. I'm not like long, like like yeah. long johns, but I like <laughs> like you know how compression shorts go down to your knees. Yeah. Like I don't want. I, I don't want to wedge you all the time. No, no, yeah. Like women who wear thongs and stuff like that. I don't know. It's it's uh, shout out to women who do that because as, as much as like that might be an attractive thing, there's a sentiment there. Like I I don't. That's got to be wildly that, uncomfortable. That cannot be something you get used yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. How does that feel I, good? I don't know. Yeah. Like and then even like tidy whiteies. Like I can't. Like, never worn it, them. Like feels like never. it chokes. I've never ever worn them. I tried when I was a kid. My dad when I was a kid wore them, but yeah. I found they got comfortable when they got really loose. And I'm like, well, then why am I? Yeah, Why don't you get some? Yeah. yeah. So then this is know. off topic. Yeah, I know. We no, no, this off is on topic. Yeah. This is inflation related, right? Now you <laughs> yeah. get bigger and everything you're wearing just get bigger. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I wear, you got to loosen up the policy a little bit. I try to find my the, the perfect length for me is seven to nine inches in compression length for the inseam, and that's not implying anything. Okay, I mean, <laughs> it's just me saying what? that's my my hey, perfect. Hold length. on, hold on. That's it, huh? <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I mean, when you wrap that's it around all, twice, it works out fine. That's all you need. Listen, it's, it's very, I know you don't know what I'm talking about. I know exactly very, what you're talking about. It's very difficult to find anything longer than six inches. Yeah, really? In compression length. Uh, okay. yeah. yeah. So you would know that because, I, I, you know, I have that problem. <laughs> you don't. I, I got, it's all cute and fun uh, of games. Not, you, it's, I gotta go, shit, it's all custom. I got to go. No, it's yeah, not. Nobody buys custom underwear. <laughs> and, hey, Nobody buys you just custom met, underwear. You just met the first person. No, you don't. Yeah, he did. No, yeah, you he don't. Did. Yeah, he and did. if you did, oh, oh, I have so much more respect for you. It's embroidered too, bro. <laughs> I take it to Nordstrom. All right, can we talk about the World Bank? Because you're a pervert. Let's go. All right. So, and and yes, I am fat, and yes, I have to work clothes all the time, and it's getting very awkward. All right. So the World Bank uh, made a statement. Let me see the Instagram post real quick. I want to read that accurately here. So this is on Instagram from Business Week. Oh, good luck. You can't read that. It said the World Bank is cutting its 2023 forecast in warning of a global recession. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was like one of those big ominous headlines. Go back to the show notes if you don't mind. Uh, one of those big ominous headlines that was like, okay, like what that's, that sounds really scary. And then I was like, wait a minute, the world bank isn't a bank. So I thought, okay, 
this is the kind of thing that you see that's impacting behaviors, which obviously impacts things like consumer spending and exactly. uh, vis-a-vis that inflation. World Bank is an international organization dedicated to providing financing, advice, and research to developing nations to aid their economic advancement. Does any of that shit sound like a bank? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. The bank predominantly acts as an organization that attempts to fight poverty by offering developmental assistance to middle and low-income countries. Again, does any of that shit sound like a bank? No. Sounds Other like than the word bank. Sounds like a nonprofit organization. All right. As of 2022, the World Bank identified 17 goals that it aims to achieve by 2023. The top two that's are stated. 20, that's, sorry, buddy. It's 2030. 2030. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just want to make sure we get that right. Should we pay somebody to read for me? <laughs> Dude, honestly, I could take this over for you. We, no, we, just, you know what we could do? I don't you know, read this bad all the time, do I? You know what we could do? I could, time, I, could re- I could read it. You know, Mind Pump has Doug do a lot of reading. Yeah, but he... Yeah, inter- no, you breathe too heavy. Yeah, we got to get... We, yeah, he, I would he, have to like we, filter out your mic. We it's, gotta, it's bad. Yeah, we got to get him on the carnivore diet before, before we can have him start reading. I would love to see you on the carnivore diet. <laughs> he can't even be on oh, the carnivore right, diet. He's got gout. He's got gout. Yeah, let's make you a vegan. Yeah. Hey, can we take... <laughs> Just make him up. Yeah, it's great. Okay, just make fun of him. Yeah, oh no, we don't want to get that kind that of. That would give jokes for no. days. No, yeah. I'll take that kind of hate. No, no, we don't. I don't want like vegans. No, don't, don't do like this. Vegan. I love all you the like, vegans. I don't like vegans. I love all the vegans. I don't like vegans. Let me tell you why. I don't choose. I don't there choose. Are, there are circumstances in life where a vegan meal is not an option. Don't and do then this. I know you're just gonna starve yourself. Listen, I love vegans. Look, I love them. I don't choose to live my life. I don't choose to live my life that way. Like I don't care if you're vegan. Like I don't have a problem. Vegetarian, like all good. Vegan, I don't like you. Yeah. Okay, yeah. like, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, don't, it's just, I just feel like they rub it in your face, you know? That's the thing. Like, you wanna even, You're not better than me. You shouldn't have to name yourself as a vegan. Just say, I don't eat this stuff. Like, why do you have to label it? Yeah, exactly. Is this vegan? I can't eat it. I don't know. Yeah. You tell me if you can eat it. Right. Like, what? <laughs> so, what? Yeah. I don't. <laughs> and it got so popular in Hollywood. Like, everybody's like making it popular. Like, oh, I'm vegan. Stop. You're not. You're not in Hollywood like that, bro. Stop. The connotation was always for me when they say it. It's like, I'm better than you. You're not better than me just because you say you're vegan. It's true, though. They are better than you. I mean, that's not saying much. They clearly have more mm, dietary resistance. How about that? (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) I look good in this. I'll give vegans one thing. It's got to be incredibly hard to eat as much food as you need to as often as you want to because you're not out there getting snacks like all the time. Right. It's not like you're going to roll through a Wendy's and be like, can I have the vegan burger, please? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? No. Wendy's? I'm still going to Wendy's. Shame on you. I guess it's true. All right. So back to the quote that Syed really interrupted with his vegan hatred. Mm. As of 2022, the World Bank identified 17 goals that it aims to achieve by 2030. Mm. The top two are stated in their mission statement. The first is to end extreme poverty by decreasing the number of people living on less than $1.90 a day to below 3% of the world population. A very admirable and shocking goal. That is Absolutely wild. Wild, right? We're talking about a dollar and ninety cents cents a day. Making me feel like a piece of shit. Living on less than that. You are a piece of shit. Yeah. All right. The second is to increase overall prosperity by increasing income growth in the bottom 40% of every country in the world. How do you plan on doing that? Those, they they do it in a Uh, lot of different ways. Come on. That's not going to happen. Let's just be realistic. No, there's some, first of all, kudos to this organization. Yeah. Which is what they are. Yes. Okay. To call it the World Bank is cutting its 2023 forecast and warning of a global recession. So clearly their mission statement revolves around economic prosperity and the impacts to some very, very unfortunate people in very, very challenging circumstances in mm-hmm. very, very different countries. Okay? Right. That being said, yeah, this is not a bank. 
Yeah, I don't understand why go with that name. Uh, I mean, food bank. I mean, there's lots of bank vernacular interpretations there. But again, it's one of those things where I think people like place. It's not like it's the World Health Organization. Yeah. You know, that that would What's probably better be, name. Yeah. Well, that there is a world. Health I'm saying I'm, yeah. I'm saying that that name is better than this. Name. Yeah. So I get so they could call it a, a world financial institution. There's lots of different reasons there. But yeah, um, it is what it is. So here's here's a question from an article the intern just pulled up. Good job, by the way. Without a place like the World Bank from which to borrow money, the world's poorest countries would have few, if any, ways to finance much needed development projects. Love it. Okay, I get that. The projects are essential to helping people become educated, live healthy lives, get jobs, and contribute to activities of citizens. Mm-hmm. Right? Beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. So again, I'm not shouting, I'm not shaming the organization, but I want to preface this for like, okay, so they're cutting their, their perspective. Who should you play, place more weight on? Wells Fargo cutting their analysts and their 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 earnings as mm-hmm. a bank, yeah. J.P. Morgan Chase maybe, mm-hmm. or the World Bank. The World Bank, <laughs> yeah. I think you probably go with Wells yeah. Fargo being more relative to your life. And I know that sounds terrible because it's a wonderful cause and they do all these great things. This is not a knock on their mission statement of the charter. This is just me saying like, this is how headlines can be twisted on you very easily if you're uneducated. Yeah, like Said is. Yeah. Exactly like Saeed. So I had to educate him on the show yeah. in front of everybody else. Right. <laughs> Go on. You didn't know. Yeah, I, knew. You didn't I, know. I read the article. Because <laughs> I put it there. Yeah, exactly. But if you saw the article, you no, we've, talked, oh, about the, we've yeah. talked about the World Bank before. Stop. We have plenty of times. Shame on you. What podcast number? I'll wait. Uh, oh, wow. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day, because I said, oh, you talked about that on the show. They're like, oh, what show number? I was like, uh... Four? Yeah, come on, man. Why <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know. I, I don't got it like that. It's like, Google that, bro. Like, I, do what I, was, I would have to Google it, look at the show notes, and spend some time reading. Yeah. And even then, I probably wouldn't know. Right. We don't put any of the nasty jokes in the show notes. Oh, man. If only we could. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't make any nasty jokes. They're all classy. Never you, that. You trashy. Never that. Never that. All right. So, we did cover eggs, mm-hmm. uh, but I did want to talk a little bit about some of what I read in the Wall Street Journal article, article mm-hmm. which I will, I will admit is still on the free Wall Street Journal, two articles refreshing <laughs> our catch. Hey, you know, you can just come to me. I got it. I got I'm, it. I will never do that. I'm the plug. The day will never come where I, hey, six, I, give me this give me this article on Wall Street Journal. I'm never, I'm never going to do that. Okay. <laughs> I just, I'm not giving that. You know I'm, I'm coming for you. Because I know what you're going to do. Oh, sure. I will give you access to my subscription for your article i will enlighten no yeah no, exactly no, 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 no. That's and then that's when i take a cut out of all your content <laughs> <laughs> forget forget core cpi marketing pros are searching for super core inflation from Great. the wall street journal who write this zandy i you know it sounded a lot like zandy more investors are paying greater attention to services inflation and labor market data so yeah that's exactly what we talked about earlier yeah but here's here's a part that bothers me okay service inflation labor market data right so really what we're talking about is what you're paying for people to do things for you yes right including employees yes that's that super core inflation kind of what they're they're getting at well services make up of 80 percent of the economy right they do yeah but here's my problem with that is right now I don't know that I'm paying a ton more for services than I was a year before. What I'm paying for are the things those services impact. Well, the, the data is showing that it, you are, right? The data is showing you are, but I don't think it's like a... So, here, let me so get into it. The, 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 data, the data is showing that inflation is rising for services, but falling for goods. Right. But I don't think that's true. 
Really? I, I think that it, it's it's like a tidal wave, right? Like Inflation, a, but when we hit that 9.1% peak in June for CPI, that was largely in part for the goods. Goods right. were up. But you see how cyclical this is? It's not yeah. like everybody gets hit with inflation all at once. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you'll look back on historically is you'll see that different sectors, different commodities, yeah, they're all hit at different times through the lifespan of a recessionary economy. Right, through this cycle. So eggs are rising now. Mm -hmm. so, several months ago, it was bacon that was up. Very right. Now bacon is down again. Right. So this makes it seem like it's, oh, the services sector versus the goods sector. No, it's, it's just different parts of each sector Right. That ultimately impact pricing to you, the end consumer. Mm -hmm. But it's not just one. It's not like, oh, services are up and you know goods are down. Okay, maybe on average and aggregate, but when you start looking at the details, right. you saw airline and travel and hospitality down now when they were skyrocketing before. Right. You see bacon down, but eggs up now. Right. It, it's not it's not so black and white. And a lot of these articles try to try to take everything and compartmentalize this is the way you should look at the economy in a perspective. And they try to come up with new terms, super core inflation. Right. It's the same thing we've been talking about. Yeah, you're just, or you're just trying to exclude more and more stuff to help, yeah. to help your number. That's exactly better. it. So like they're saying, what's a better approximation of, of inflation? Well, maybe it's just services. What's a better approximation uh, of you know, the impact of the consumer? Well, maybe it's just goods because it's what they spend the money on. No, but this is why we go over all the different data points, everything from CPI to PPI because it's all in the chain, right? It all, you can see how it all starts to affect one another. So a quote from the free article, which I did not pay for, because I would never pay for a subscription to Wall Street Journal. Cheap, ever, ever. cheap bastard. You want me to explain why I won't pay for it? Yeah, because why? Okay. All right. <laughs> when I went to Yale, I had a student subscription, which was free. Oh, they, they're hardcore about verifying. So yeah, I had my Yale email. I, I still have my alumni email, which is like, you know, basically my, well, I won't give it out, but it's at Yale, AA, whatever. It's like a alumni yeah. association. Email, Jerk off right? at Yale.com. Yeah. They don't give it to you for free for that one. Yeah. Which is very upset. That's also hurtful. Okay. Just, <laughs> yeah. I'm ignoring the. Yeah. Yeah. And we prefer the term whack off. Whack off. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, uh, really? That, that's the appropriate vernacular. Got for boomers. Listen, I. You're a boomer, right? Yeah. Intern, intern pointed out. You know what? You were earning your, your lack of salary today. You were, you were drinking a beverage, which you said you finished. And I, we could hear you swallow that. I'll be honest. Like that I was thought, audible. I was wrong. I thought I finished it. That that seems. Yeah, very... I was wrong. I, I was wrong the way you were wrong about CPI. You for, oh oh oh, got him. I'm not gonna lie. The, the worst part about it was is shout out to our production team, the post production team who does all this. We don't tell them what quote to pick. That honestly, that was so good. <laughs> they were it, like, hey, hey, fuck boy. I could tell. <laughs> Either Day David or Jay was like, "All right, fuck him, we got him." <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> like, this motherfucker thinks he's right all the time. Okay, <laughs> they quoted me being wrong, and then I had to post it. <laughs> yeah, so for everyone that doesn't know, the the t the back end team that handles all that stuff, they hand selected that quote, yeah. and that audio of of the podcast so that we could share. Like, how do we make this guy sound as stupid as possible? And someone was like, "Yes." Let his guard down. Yeah. Let's go for the jugular kids. Yeah, you thought. They got me quote. They literally got me quoting. I don't think inflation is going to go down. I just, I just, I, I don't say it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then the day before, I know, like in advance, it was worse. It, yeah. was, it, was, a, it was a very bad 24 hours. It shook the core of my confidence. Right. And then I realized that I'm very handsome and talented and wealthy, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, just, not, I'm just handsome and wealthy. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> The root of the problem for investors is that inflation itself has become more complicated. Core goods inflation has turned negative in recent months thanks to increased supply of many products, as site is referenced. 
and reduce demand, but service inflation has remained elevated. The result, many argue, of a stubbornly hot jobs market and escalating labor costs. Mm -hmm. So that is the only interpretation that I truly took from the article as being noteworthy. Yeah. So what what we would normally see in a set of circumstances with inflation coming down, I think, and I haven't gone back to do the research here, but hear me out, is you would see both goods and services starting to dissipate a little bit in cost and inflation. Yeah. But because we're seeing such low unemployment and because wages are still relatively strong despite a minor drop off in the last print. Right. I think you wind up having services still high because there's just that much competition for people to work. Yeah. So that is a very abnormal thing. And I don't think until that starts to correct, do we really start to see this recession being felt as visibly. And again, as you started off the show with or midway through the reporting cycle creates this news attention Mm -hmm. and the behaviors get impacted and then the spending gets impacted i don't think that behavior impact even with the news is going to be impacted enough until unemployment starts to get above five percent yeah that's when i think and we've seen a lot of i mean how many how many times have we talked about people being laid off in the last several shows as negative as that may be yeah a lot right right and in doing all and having all these conversations there's been there's been news reports different outlets there's other all sorts of sectors are now being impacted and as a result of that, mm-hmm. we still haven't seen the behavioral correction of people saying like, you know, hey, uh, I should curb my spending. Right. At least it's not visible in the numbers. Right. So again, food for thought. I, I don't know that super core inflation and all these things are really important to what we're saying. I think what they're just trying to point out in this article, as sexy as that language might sound, is, is that we're in a very weird time and service-based jobs, people that were paying to work, employees, mm-hmm. they're still getting money. Exactly. That's what it really comes down to. Yeah, and that number, I know, I, I listened to some uh, JP Morgan um, asset management. Bro, you got to stop flexing all the things you're listening to and people you're hanging out with. It's getting very off-putting. Oh, so, I, so, I don't feel like I'm on your level. So, it's so, very disassociating. So the intern and I drive over to the studio, right? And we were talking about just music in general. Like, I don't ever listen to me. I don't even know what's the new hip shit anymore because all I do is listen to stuff for the podcast. And I'm reading about the podcast, stuff for the podcast yeah, all the time. Yeah, but I've been like that for a long time, man. Yeah. Like, so I have no, no, this has been a long time for me too. So I don't even know what's what's going on in like pop culture anymore. And the, there's like not a, like a radio that I listen to or like a station that's consistent that's like somebody else controlling it. Yeah, exactly. It's like me controlling my own, you know, iTunes or whatever. So it, it's like, if it's not referred, I'm not hearing it. If it's not referred over to me, I have no idea about it. Yeah, the referrals are big time. Yeah. Like new, new hits. Yeah, ex- that's <laughs> how I get it. Like, yeah. Apple doesn't know me like my homies know me. They'll, they'll send something. Hey, man, I listen to this. Check it out. That's, yeah. uh, that's how I get most of it. So the- I would like to make a motion for <laughs> the executive committee of the show. Uh-huh. I think we should now officially dub the intern by his actual name. Oh, let's do we, it. We've been calling him intern for a while now. I think he's earned okay. his hazing stripes a little all bit. Right, all right, fine. SpongeBob it is. I thought bitch tits was it. <laughs> no. Bitch tits. <laughs> That's what you went with. So from now on, if we if we reference Arun, Arun is is the uh, yeah he's earned it. He's our intern. He's, do, he's yeah. doing a great job. He's doing an amazing job. Um, you you've earned your first name. You know. So the, the Fed the Fed was predicting that unemployment by the end of this year will be four point six percent, while JP the team over at JP Morgan said five point six. I I don't uh, I don't really know how this shakes out, and I don't know that that shakes out there. I got I got to be honest. I. I that's a pretty big move, man. Mm. But it, to go from what three point five, well, the end of twenty twenty three, right? That's what we're saying. Yeah. Um, I I don't I don't know because what what we saw online because right now yeah I mean I, I we five I right now layoffs have have really hit you know the financial space, fintech space, 
and um, the banking sector and the banking sector, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and the tech industry, right? So uh, those people, I think ZipRecruiter, we we said it last week, are finding jobs within three months of searching, like at 70 percent. Where I don't understand this. Like, Who's this, hiring? This is the part that I, I'm I'm legitimately confused on, and this is not me hyperbole speculation. I, I legitimately do not know. Yeah, I don't understand how you could have layoffs at. It major home companies, Zillow, uh, Redfin, mm-hmm. uh, Loan Depot, lenders, right? Like everybody in that sector. Mm-hmm. Then the banks and in the tech sector, and where where are all these people going? Like you know, fuck it, I got a job in three months. That's where are you going? Where that, are you pivoting to? That's what makes me feel like you know the layoffs haven't even begun yet. Where they're really going to happen? I, no, I mean they they've been palpable. They're they're, they're real. No, I, but we looked we looked into them. Some of them have been somewhere in the ballpark of like. One to five percent of the company, but that's still grossly higher than where they were pre-pandemic. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. And I think that the, some of that's just the evolution of companies getting bigger. Like, that doesn't really bother me a whole bot, a whole bunch. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, I look at all that, and I, I don't understand. It's very perplexing to me. The yeah. whole, at some point in time, somebody much smarter than me, and probably as smart as you, is going to come out and say <laughs> something about why jobs and services are the way they are right now, at mm-hmm. when they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that jobs are, are a lagging indicator. The unemployment number is a lagging indicator, mm-hmm. right? And jobs reports of active jobs, those are not lagging. Those are generally, you know, kind of real time, if you will. And then they, they print out. Right. But what I will say is that is a terrible photo of me. Jesus. How old is that photo? Why is this guy? Why are you pulling just, that up? Just when we gave him his name, this I is what know. he does? This Rune, what are you doing, bro? I, <laughs> God, I was so skinny back then. I'm literally like 90 pounds heavier than that. Yeah. Thank you for ruining my confidence in the middle of the show. We should probably end it here then. Yeah. I feel like I, I'm <laughs> just that a come total from? piece of shit. Um, so I don't understand. And maybe somebody will, someday someone will come out and say, this is the economic phenomenon that led to this. And this is how this happened. You know, people, smart people came out afterward and started talking about the, the breakdown in the synthetic mortgage-backed security markets, and, and they kind of explained some of that. And yeah. In retrospect, it's very clear and easy for us to understand. I'm hoping somebody can do that for me because I really don't understand the jobs world being as strong as it is and the disbelief that most consumers have. Some of, of, the, some of what I've heard so far has been it was so hard to get people in, in the door Right, there were people were offering these crazy incentives for people to come. You, you were talking about companies had these perks, you know. There was all these like sign-on bonuses and things, and and they just had info. It was hard to get people in, so they're reluctant to really start letting people go. I would like to tiptoe around a topic uh, with a serious tone that I think may or may not be interesting, and I, this is going to be very dangerous from uh, a professional capacity. But I, I think that there's some interesting things to discuss here. So we just had a reduction in force ourselves. Very hard. It was very difficult. And there, there's a lot of reasons why that was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. But the, the perspective of the employees afterward is really unusual. And I don't think that anybody caught it. Mm. You know, we had a fiduciary obligation to do the right thing for the shareholder. Right. And we did that without question. That was the right thing to do. And there's a lot of reasons. And it's not really relevant to this conversation. And I don't want to talk too much about that business, but I want to say, speak specifically about is there, in bad economies that I've, I've lived through, and again, I was working during the Great Recession, people knew layoffs were coming. Yeah. And I think that across sectors, everyone was like, okay, I'm in this sector, like, I, should we be worried? They were asking the questions. And, and when it happened, I think some of them even had relief. Some of them were really sad. I mean, all the emotions that you normally go through, but very few were like angry. 
Really? How dare you? Like most of them understood why this had to happen. Right. And I would also say that that was with high unemployment. Higher, significantly higher unemployment. Yes. So the, the, the odds of them getting a job are about 50% in my mind what they are today, given where the unemployment numbers were then versus where they are today. Makes sense. And you would think that in this environment, people would take solace in the fact that finding another job with this low unemployment, because we know, because we talk about this on the show, and I'm, I'm sure that most people who have a job aren't thinking about unemployment numbers and how long it's taken to find a job and stuff yeah. like that, but we know it. You would think there'd be some solace in that, and I don't think that there is. I think it's much more shocking now for people because they, they haven't really heard, like, we're in a recession, they don't really have anything to compare it to. I think it was a lot more shocking to people who've, who've gone through those reductions in force. Right. And I think that there's a lack of confidence in them getting a job, but then I look at the numbers. So it's very confusing behavior. And this is, I think, some of the confusion that's going into consumer spending right now. Right. This is why you saw record spending during Black Friday. This is why you, you've seen numbers in certain things like services stay high, but yet it doesn't like galvanize. People aren't gelling together these economic concepts and understanding that it, it's, it's shitty being laid off. It mm -hmm. really is. I've been laid off before. It's the worst feeling ever. Yeah. And I don't wish that on anybody. And it was a terrible, terrible, terrible day for me. Yeah. I will say, and I'm not going to say that person's name. I've never in, in my career wanted to cry laying somebody off more than what happened to me when we did this. Yeah, I can only imagine, man. One individual who I respected immensely. I called this person afterward, you know, and said, hey, look, I wanted to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one, and I wanted to explain why I'm doing it. And they stopped me in the middle of this and said, look, I'm so proud of you. Wow. And I was like, what? And the person said, I've done this. I've been in your shoes. I've done it. I know how hard it is. And I'm, I'm so immensely proud of how, how you're handling this and, and everything. And I was like, Jesus. Yeah, because you, hand, you handled it completely differently from, from other people, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I try, we as a company try to be really, really thoughtful and pragmatic about things, but that was irrelevant. It was just yeah. that somebody who I was doing this with and was included in this was so gracious and so professional and so well-spoken mm -hmm. and thoughtful about me during the process. It, it just, it shattered me. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I, 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 when I got the phone, I had everybody out of my office because you have HR people there and representatives and I just, I had to take a couple minutes. Yeah. I know for the people, for the people, and I'm not, I'm not talking about um, the bank that we work for, but in general, like let's say the tech space, you would imagine you, you get laid off at, at a tech company, you're going to go work for someone else in tech. But in these financial markets, people that are getting laid off, like the thing that I worry about is like, where are you going to go? You may have to switch industries. Well, no, not according to the numbers. Despite the massive layoffs in tech, a lot of people who are finding these jobs in the next three months, they're in similar or related industries. That's what I'm saying. So for tech, they're finding it. They're finding it in tech, but there's when, still people starting up. Right. And again, like we've talked about, recessions are a great time to start up businesses. So exactly. With here's where I think it's interesting too is you're not seeing big enough layoffs, mm -hmm. big enough groups of people hitting the field to really not be absorbed by the current demand either. Mm -hmm. and their salaries, while still high, are not dropping low enough for them to go, I don't want to take that job, I'm going to keep looking. So people are jumping right back into employment relatively fast. I know I'm trying to put a positive spin on this because obviously I've been on the other side of it recently, but it's not, yeah. it's not just that. It's, it's, it, that's what we would Those are for. what the numbers are saying. Yeah, and, and that is what, so if, if that's the quote-unquote soft landing that people are pitching, you know, that this is the reason why the labor market is so strong and we could maybe still have like a quote unquote soft landing, whatever the hell that means. 
where people aren't experiencing, you know, a long-term pain, then then great. Hope I hope that is the case. So to take a little bit of levity from the situation and talk about me being a complete jackass, I say I suggest we pivot a little bit from a, a very sad topic. To... I don't know how to get out of that. You didn't? Yeah. Oh. I needed you need you to pivot. You need me to pivot? Yeah. Well, let's talk about how I almost died. Yeah. <laughs> you did not almost die, man. I almost died, bro. Come on, bro. I almost died. Let's just be honest. You just had you went to dinner, you had you had some drinks and you were just like, I don't want to do the podcast tonight. Just just say how it is. Wow, that seems like a very selfish explanation of what happened to me. <laughs> uh, that is not at all accurate. As yeah. a matter of fact, um you know, there are people saving prayers hoping that I would survive. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my wife <laughs> and it's mostly expletives <laughs> um besides swallowing the drink that he said he was out of right now <laughs> so i um i i this is a true story okay and we've already already established the fact that i have this shit was fucked up every I, which way from friday yeah, i've got no no hesitation talking about Bleaching my anus at this point. Mean, <laughs> hey, can I tell you, so many people reached out to me after that episode, and I was just really? like, they're like, this is one of the funniest podcasts I've ever listened to. I'm like, that's great. I mean, we're a yeah. financial literacy podcast. Yeah, but now you know if you ever want to get bleached. Yeah, like, you know what to do. The, you how to request a, a laser on your bikini line. Yeah. So I get up from going to the bathroom um, two nights or two mornings ago, whatever it was. My wife left the house. I'm by myself, mm -hmm. right? I'm just going number two. You know how it is when you go number two by yourself. There's nobody there. Oh. Like you, you enjoy that moment. And we've already talked about how my number twos aren't as you know as efficient as they once were. So I like to, I like to marinate for a little bit there. Yeah. Okay. okay. Just to make sure that everything's done. Yeah. Okay. So I'm doing the responsible thing and doing some research for the show. Right. Which is where I typically do my best research. The best. And this is a rare morning where I don't have to be in the office super early. So I'm, like, I'm hearing the birds chirp in the background. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm about ready to. Jump into a shower. I'm feeling fresh. Right. And I got like 10 minutes. I never have 10 minutes alone. Stand up. <sighs> take a deep breath in. Let it out. <sighs> That's a good number two. Yeah. Turn around to flush toilet. And as I'm pushing down the toilet, like a shooting pain at the back right side, from my butt up to my lower back. I'm assuming this is sciatica or some, like some kind of nerve thing. Right. Out of nowhere. Just like hit me like, like somebody shot me in the ass. Goddamn. It hurt so bad I couldn't even put my right foot on the ground. I had to like stand there. With my hands up against the wall and one foot on the ground for like a minute just to get my bearings of like i mean it was immensely painful this is what the 40s feels like i don't know it's embarrassing it's just i'm like parts of me are breaking that i am no could break yeah like it's just <laughs> like, and i'm come sure on, man god i'm damn. sure weight's playing an element to this and not stretching because i lifted the day before mm -hmm. and uh um, definitely some imbalances yeah there's, there's a whole there's a whole lot there wrong yeah and it wasn't even like a very like you know enduring poop it was like a very easy one we it gotta was, get you on map symmetry yeah Plug. Yeah, shout out to, <laughs> shout out to the Mavs brothers. Um so it was bad. I had to take a couple minutes. I put some icy hot on it because I had that on standby now because I'm over 40, which is also awkward. And I'm limping all day long. Yeah. All day long. This is a Thursday. Like you, got, like you got gout or something. Not like I got gout. That's worse. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Ruin, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? I'm telling you, we'll make you a vegan. <laughs> We're going to do this. I'm not a fan of veganism, but if it helps you live a longer, healthier life for me to make fun of you for longer, I will do that. Right. Okay. That's how much I care about me making fun of you. I mean, your health. <laughs> I want to make fun that's of how, you. That's yeah. how much I care about you. Yeah. Okay. So we can start a Deadpool too, if you like. I mean, whatever works better for you. Okay. <laughs> like I want, I want you to be healthy. Okay. Oh my God. That's so <laughs> fucked. Okay. So, so, so you're anyway. limping around. So I'm limping around and then finally I go get my testosterone shot at, thir uh, at Thursday night. Right. I get this every Thursday night. Mm-hmm. 
And I go in, they see me limping. They're like, hey, man, like, you okay? I said, ah, oh, pull my back. And, you know, I'm in a, I'm upbeat mood. I had taken two a leave earlier. Now, historically, I've had an allergic reaction to, like, Advil, like, just, like, a little tiny bit. Like, my throat would get a little sticky, but mm-hmm. I won't have, like, any visual problems. It just, you know, it just feels uncomfortable to swallow for a little while. Yeah. You know, who needs to swallow? Yeah. So, oh. so um, I took two a leave earlier, and my right eye started getting, like, puffy, like, a little puffy. But I thought it was just allergies, you know? Because mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a stupid male who's oblivious to the world. Yeah. So, like an idiot, I'm in there, and he's like, hey, man, I don't know if you know, but we give out free shots every once in a while. You're feeling tired, we'll give you a B12 shot for free. If, you, if you're in pain, we'll give you a Toradol shot. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, well, it's like ibuprofen, but uh, like a bigger clinical dosage of it in a syringe. Ibuprofen, which is Advil? Yeah. But not all Advil bothers me. Sometimes. It's rare. Okay. Right? So I can take like generic Advil and have like a reaction, or I can take regular Advil and generally not have a big reaction. Okay. And I've had Advil my whole life. Yeah. You know, I've never had a problem. NSAIDs, they yeah. call Basically non-steroidal, something anti-inflammatory, whatever. Minor flex. Yeah. No, I don't know that. I had to read it on Google when I was almost dying. Yeah. Hell, it fixes. So I get a shot of this Toradol in addition to my usual testosterone shot. And I leave. And I got to meet with uh, some young friends afterward. We've been talking about linking up for a while and tell my wife. And I go and have a glass of wine with them. And we're eating some food. Big meaty kebabs. My right eye starts bothering me a lot. You don't look at yourself. Yeah. I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like coughing, but I do that throat clearing thing. We yeah. talked about that before, you know? Yeah. Like, so again, like I'm not, I'm, I'm such a stupid male <laughs> that I don't know. Like my face is puffing up. Yeah. Like hitch. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, Will Smith some and hitch. Of, some like, type of crazy reaction. It's, it's, I'm having a reaction. My face feels warm and I'm like, oh, I'm just happy because of the wine. Yeah. I'm an idiot. My red, my right eyes itching. These two guys. Shy and Ahmet, who were there with me, yeah. who don't listen to the show, so I can talk a bunch of shit on them because we're going to. They don't say a fucking word to me that my face, like, I'm starting to look bad. They're just looking at you like. like and it's not because you respect me or you want to hurt my face. It's because you just don't like me. I know you wanted me to die, bro. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, <laughs> they didn't want you to die. So I'm like, I don't feel too good. I, I think I'm going to go home. Yeah. We finished the dinner. Like, and I'm trying to like be a trooper and roll through it. And I like, my eyes all weird. And I'm like, I'm, my eyes are sticky and I, my throat feels weird. And I'm like choking and like almost like it feels like I'm like I, like I have like this knot in my throat and my chest. Right. And like, I'm just, I don't feel good and I'm getting hot. Right. And I'm like, am I having like one of those menopausal reactions from the testosterone again? Like I, the light bulb still has not gone on. Right. I think maybe I'm getting pink eye. I got a young son, you know, we're playing a little bit. You right. know, maybe, maybe it's just pink eye and it's just getting bad. Yeah. But this is all in my head. Nobody's told me what it looked like. Yeah. So I say goodbye to these guys and I get in the car and I look in the rearview mirror and I have the hitch moment where I'm like, oh, yeah, the like, fuck is this? what is wrong? So I get home to my wife, my wife, registered nurse, and she's upstairs sitting outside our son's door while he goes to sleep. And I'm like, honey, I think I'm having an allergic reaction. She shines a light in my face and her face gave it away. She's like, you need to go to the ER like right now. Wow. Yeah. Like, I remember now, now. You FaceTimed us. You sent, you sent FaceTime me actually. I don't know if he, he saw you, but. Your eye was fucked up everywhere. That was it. Wasn't even bad then. Yeah. So you, everybody keeps asking me for photos like when it was bad. But here's the problem: my eyes got so bad I couldn't see out of them. Yeah. So I, so my wife goes and gets me some Benadryl real quick. I take two, two Benadryl. And when you go typically with an allergic reaction, they give you like an antihistamine, a Benadryl, mm-hmm. and they also give you a steroid injection. Right. Right. Not the kind of steroids that make you buff, because obviously mine are making me buff. But the st- <laughs> kind of steroids that you know yeah. make you not die. So I get to, I get to ER. Right. And I've told, I try to explain the story and there's no way to explain the story and not sound like a dumbass, Right. Mind you. And I'm not seeing very, at this point I, I can open my eyes only so far as you can't see any white on my eyes. All you see is black. Like, and, and I can't even read my phone now that my eyes like starting to water really badly. Yeah. 
And I'm trying to tell the story. And the whole back of my mind, I'm like, why aren't you giving me a shot for something, man? Yeah, get, hurry up. <laughs> get, fix the problem. Fix the problem. And I'm like trying to Siri text message people like you telling you I'm feeling bad because yeah. like, I, I, <laughs> my voice is getting deeper because I'm the knot of my throat swelling up. Right. I knew it was bad. Here's when I knew it was really bad. Is when I went into urgent, when I went into the ER, normally they make you fill out paperwork and you wait there and then like talk to you a little bit and chat you up. I walked in. He's like, we're going to get you a room right now. Yeah. Like I went straight to a room. Like there's like 40 people in there. And they're like, get this man in the back. Wow. So I got in the back and I, I still haven't looked at myself. So I pull out my phone and try to take a photo of myself and I can't see myself. And took a photo of myself that I tried to, it was, it was bad. How the hell did you drive over there? I know. Trust my wife with our son. I can't have her go with me. I offered to drive. And he was asleep. You did, but you were like in Anaheim. Yeah. 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 So did the intern. You I did mean, the intern. Did, yeah. But again, I, I was gone. And then I tried to explain the story. And the whole time I'm like, yeah, man, and I'm missing, I'm missing my podcast right now. We normally record and I feel really bad. And the guy's like, you know, you're, you're going to die if you left this untreated, right? And I was <laughs> like, like, yeah, that's fine. But can I grab your phone and write myself an honest five-star like, review? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot. I thought about yeah, it. Yeah, 100%. Didn't, you didn't the phones. Every time I see someone new, I go, man, I haven't taken this person's I phone I yet. couldn't see the phone and I couldn't, I couldn't let it, couldn't trust him to write a review that I know would burn you like the way I would want to burn you yeah, in a review. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. so yeah, they kept me there for like, uh, just keep me on watch for a while and I went home that night. But uh, learned a valuable lesson. Toradol, not my friend and probably should not be having Advil either. That's crazy, man. I've never had an allergic reaction to anything, knock on wood. I've never had anything like that. I've had like, you know, like mm -hmm. your skin gets red or itchy, like a rash or something like that, but certainly right. not, not like that. It, yeah. It was a... Uh, and you know when you watch the movie Hitch and Will Smith, yeah, you know he drinks straight out of the bottle. Yeah, and you're like, how does he not know when he sees himself? That actually is a thing. You could not know. You could legitimately not know. Like, I, I, I legitimately had no idea. I was already puffy and swollen by the yeah, time I started to feel it. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, you definitely feel off, but you just power through it anyways. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. that's what I do. I'm a power player. That's what you do. You know what I mean? You power, you power through. Get the, oh, God. <laughs> Shout out to all the kings. Yeah, I can't. I and can't, the queens. I can't use the hip rhetoric, but I feel pretty cool. Yeah. So, in any event, that's why we're going to do a back-to-back -back show today. And this is the end of this particular episode. We'll catch you all in the next one. That was very, let's do that again. That was very right, sexy. That was sexy. You just always do this. Why? I, I said I want to catch people off guard to make sure they're listening. Oh, okay. I just didn't think that you're one of the people I had to catch off guard because you weren't listening. <laughs> I was listening. Right, say goodbye. And, and we'll catch you all on the next episode. That was also bad. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you were listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.